Hi, friends. Before we jump into the first episode of season three, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you. I am grateful for the encouragement and support I continuously receive from this community. I read all the suggestions and feedback you sent me and created new content based on your requests. I hope you find season three inspirational because it was inspired by you. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the Chesapeake Bay, Virginia is a mecca for outdoor travel and adventure. Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast is the ultimate guide for local outdoor recreation, including hiking, camping, kayaking, and so much more. Get the information and the inspiration to plan your own adventure right here in Virginia. I'm your host, Jessica Bowser. Often referred to as one of the best hikes on the East Coast, Old Rag Mountain is the most popular hike in Shenandoah National Park. Highlights of this hike include boulder scrambling and spectacular views of the Blue Ridge Mountains. But this hike is no casual walk in the park. Old Rag is a challenging hike that requires preparation and planning to enjoy safely. Old Rag Mountain Stewards is a volunteer organization that helps hikers understand how to protect themselves and the resources on Old Rag Mountain. Vice President Gabby Dreyfus shares her expertise in preparedness, safety, and stewardship so you can make the most of this epic Virginia adventure. Let's go. Virginia Outdoor Adventures is sponsored by Brakes Interstate Park. Breathtaking views, towering cliffs, roaring rivers, unlimited adventure. Discover the rugged beauty of Brakes Interstate Park, home of the Grand Canyon of the South. From rock climbing to mountain biking, elk tours to canyon rim zip lining, your adventure awaits at the Brakes. Click on Brakes Interstate Park in your show notes to visit brakespark.com. Gabby, welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Hey, Jessica. It's great to be here. What do you love about Virginia's outdoors? So I am most amazed by how green Virginia's forests are in summer. It's the first thing that really struck me coming from uh, dry Northern California, just to see how uh, it's always amazing to see every spring, how quickly things go from brown and gray to just overly verdant green. It's kind of brilliantly green. It's amazing. It really is, especially up on Old Rag. You can see for miles and miles around just how green it is. Can you describe the Old Rag mountain hike? Yeah, so Old Rag is located in the central district of Shenandoah National Park. But importantly, it's not on the main ridge of the trail of the, of the park system. It's actually to the east of that. The, the rock that Old Rag is made from is some of the oldest rock in the park. It's about 1.1 billion years uh, old. And this older and stronger granite is one of the reasons that Old Rag stands out from its surroundings, including the main Blue Ridge. It's technically, from a geology term, it's called a monadnock. I'm a geology geek, so that I hope will uh, be a little interesting factoid uh, for your listeners. But yeah, once you get on the hike, if you're coming out to Old Rag, what you need to know is that it's about a 9.4 mile loop. That's the classic Old Rag circuit hike. And it's about a 2,348 foot elevation gain with the summit uh, clocking in at 3,291 feet above sea level. So it's a really good climb. It's a really long hike. Most people do it probably on average uh, seven hours or so. So you definitely want to plan for a whole day hike. Not only is it great uh, just from the, the, the hike, like full day outdoor trip, 
It's a really amazing naturally geological uh, phenomenon. You've got the trees, you can see the trees changing through the seasons. But also one of the key features of the hike as you're closing the loop is a fire road that uh, takes you through Weekly Hollow. And if you pay attention, you'll see many signs of the families uh, who were displaced when the park was created in the 1930s. So it's really an amazing natural and cultural resource. I do love the fire road so much. I mean, first of all, when you're coming down on the fire road, you're usually exhausted from the long hike up. So having just sort of a nice flat trail or an easy wide trail is really, it's not flat, but it's going down down the mountain. Um, but having something a little easier to hike down and then really start to pay attention to what's around you a little bit more. Because when you're going up, you're so focused on climbing and scrambling. But when you're coming down, you really have the time to look around you. And there's evidence of old roads and walls and other things that, like you said, give us a little bit of a clue about what used to be there. Definitely. So I would definitely recommend that people keep their eyes open for also plants that signal people used to live there. There's actually a boxwood uh, on the trail on the fire road that used to mark someone's driveway. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I've noticed the boxwood before. I'm going to have to look for it now. Usually in the spring, I see daffodils, and that's mm -hmm. always a sign of uh, something that used to be there because daffodils are not a native plant. It means somebody has planted them and they're coming back year after year. Exactly, exactly. And then you alluded to the fact that the fire road is a nice break after that long climb. And I think uh, what most people attracts them to Old Rag, and one of the reasons it's often uh, written up in, as one of the most popular hikes, not just in Shenandoah National Park, but in the Mid-Atlantic, is that it has this rocky top. Like I said, it's made up of this Old Rag granite, which is particularly strong. And so the top is, uh, is essentially a rock scramble. And you have these great views from the summit and multiple outlook pockets. Uh, outlook points along the hike. And, and that's that rock scramble that makes it a particularly memorable and rewarding hike. You have to climb over, around, and through these granite rock formations, including, yeah, under, actually, uh, a, a suspended rock in, in one, of, one of the features. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's a rewarding challenge, but it's also tricky if things go wrong and someone gets hurt. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I think one of the, the most iconic features, like you said, is that hanging rock that's sort of suspended between two rock walls. It kind of looks like a slot canyon to an extent. And so when you see people posting photos of that, you kind of know immediately that that's old rag. And it's just really neat to be able to scramble up and around these big rocks and, you know, you're passing underneath things. And it really gets you wondering how the rocks got that way. I mean, sometimes if it's seems like there's just a ginormous boulder sitting on top of this mountain and you look at it and think, how did it get there? Yeah. And if you, when you're coming up the ridge trail and up, uh, to climb towards the uh, rock scramble area, definitely pay attention. You'll see all of these other giant boulders that have fallen off from the top over time as it's eroded. So they've been, those, those boulders you're seeing on the summit, they've been there for a while, but eventually they all, they too will, will roll down. So Gabby, you're the vice president of the Old Rag Mountain Stewards. And let's talk about that for a little bit. How and why was Old Rag Mountain Stewards formed? Yeah, so as we mentioned, the really key feature of Old Rag are these rock outcrops. And they're really quite unique, not just to the park, but to the whole Mid-Atlantic region to have these higher elevations, uh, rocky summits. They're actually some very rare plants that only exist 
around old rag. And so when the park was first looking to develop a rock outcrop management plan to uh, figure out how to balance use of these areas and protect these rare plants, uh, this was back in 2005, Andy Nichols, who um, is a guide in Shenandoah National Park uh, and leads climbing, it was very sensitive to uh, these issues. And so he worked with park staff to design a program that could assist the park in balancing and maintaining visitor access to these really cherished um, resources uh, like Old Rag, but also uh, to be able to work with visitors uh, to make them appreciate more the natural resources, including these real plant communities to help in, in balancing that visitation with limiting that some of that damage. So I had the pleasure of meeting Andy Nichols not too long ago, and we were talking on the phone about one of the reasons why he started Old Rag Mountain Stewards. And he was explaining to me that some of the really well-known rocky outcrops were being loved to death, is, is the way he described it, that there were so many people going up there that it was becoming a real issue as far as um, the impact it was having on the trails and then the overlook themselves. So places like Mary's Rock, um, Stony Man, Hawksbill, sort of like these, you know, these iconic locations in the park that we all know and love were going to be closed by the park. I mean, the park was their plan was to actually close access to these places so that visitors couldn't get there. And I just can't even imagine you know, all of those places being closed in addition to old rag. So it's really awesome that Andy saw that this was going to be a problem and worked with the park to be able to come up with a plan so that we could continue to have access to old rag and some of these other places. Definitely. It's, um, and if you do go up to old rag around the summit, the park has also been very proactive in creating, um, little boundaries to, to and you can really see where there are these low ropes that are essentially are fencing off areas to protect the plants. You can really see that there is some protected and some regrowth in those areas. And you compare it to the areas that aren't fenced off that have really essentially been, been where there's almost no vegetation left. And so it's, it's really important that visitors um, are, you know, think about where, the, where they're stepping in these, in these fragile environments. Right. So what else does old rag mountain stewards do? Yeah. So, that higher level purpose of really helping hikers and visitors understand both how to protect themselves and the natural resources uh, of old rags. Like, as I mentioned with the old rag scramble, um, it's, it's a challenging hike and, it, and, if, and if someone gets hurt, it can actually be really tricky uh, to get them out. It's, um, so it's that really protecting both people learning essentially and understanding how to protect themselves and the natural resource. Um, we're an all volunteer group um, and so part of that protection uh, role in, involves uh, talking to visitors to tell them about the mountains. So some of what I've been telling you and we've been talking about uh, resource interpretation. So just, you know, identifying and pointing out some of the rare plants, some of the cultural resources. But again, in that safety category, protecting people, uh, we also are first responders um, to medical incidents on the mountain. We, we work with the park, we are, we're volunteers in the park with the service recognized and, and, and train with them. Uh, we've got Cary Park Radio, so we're really eyes and ears of the park. Uh, if there is an issue, we can go uh, where we're usually the, one of the, the first there to essentially assess the situation and communicate with the park to, to come up with a plan uh, for how to respond. <laughs> 
I recently Googled Old Rag Mountain Hike, and instead of the park page with the information about the hike popping up, the first thing that came up was a description of the of the hike, and the description included how dangerous it was, how many people get stuck up there every year, and all of the safety issues that happen on Old Rag. And I couldn't believe that was the first thing that came up in the Google search. So clearly, this is something that is luckily being addressed. and. Uh, an organization like Old Rag Mountain Steward is playing a really vital role in making sure that people are prepared before they go up there. So can you just tell us what some of the most common safety issues are on Old Rag? Yeah, so in a typical season, the Old Rag Mountain Stewards, we assist with usually, so um, our season, we're up there weekends in the spring and in the fall, which have been typically the highest visitation periods. We're starting to actually see that continue now into the summer. But weekends, uh, spring and fall season, uh, we usually would see one to two major incidents each season. And when I say major incidents, this is usually some kind of injury, like a broken ankle or a head injury or some other serious medical condition that would prevent that person from walking themselves off the mountain. And so when that occurs, that typically uh, involves either carrying the person out, which involves a lot of people and can be complicated, especially if someone is in the rock scramble. You can imagine that carrying someone in a litter through that the rocks is it requires some technical um, uh, search and rescue skills. Um, there is also, uh, I've assisted with, and, and or, or mountain stewards, uh, we train with a park to assist park staff with um, helicopter uh, lifts, um, hoists, uh, sometimes also is if, the, if, if someone is uh, badly injured and is not in a position to get out and the weather per permits, that is a really big if. Do not expect a helicopter to come save you. Um, that's, 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 that, that one should not plan on that. But then we also generally have, I would say, six to 10 minor incidents that can be anywhere from like, a, like just a, a mildly sprained ankle, cuts and scrapes, um, any kind of damage to the arm, which although uh, uh, uncomfortable, generally uh, someone who can, you know, you can, you can, you can walk someone out with that. Um, so those, it's fairly common, but, and again, I hear about there, we, we're not always on the mountain when these, these events occur. And I have a lot of respect for the, the rangers and search and rescue teams uh, who, who help people out. Less severe, but more common uh, types of incidents have to do with preparation and this has to do with dehydration or heat exhaustion, especially during the warmer season. Uh, it is, uh, you know, a 2000 plus foot climb. And so you, you people need to make sure that they're, you know, paying attention and taking care of themselves and bringing enough water. Uh, otherwise, you know, sprained and broken ankles. And like I mentioned, we had, we, there are a few head injuries, you know, from people falling. Otherwise, you know, blisters and scrapes are not uncommon. Uh, and like I mentioned, if someone uh, does get injured, it can take hours to get the necessary people and materials to move them. And so this is where I really recommend people plan and prepare. It's going to make um, everyone's lives easier for waiting a few hours. It's people have a few extra layers and can keep themselves warm because it's really easy to get cold when sitting around for a few hours on, on a big piece of rock. So what are the most common mistakes that hikers tend to make on the trail? So the biggest one that I see is not carrying enough water. Um, that, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times someone's approached me to ask where the water refill station is. And 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's a wilderness else. area. Um, it's, it's a bit confusing because it's true. There are, there are shelters that pre-exist from the park, but there is no plumbing. There is no electricity. There is no Starbucks. Um, so you really need to uh, come with you with at least two quarts of water per person, person for the day. And even more, if you're going to be hiking on, on a hotter day, and, and similar to that, bringing the, the point to having an enjoyable hike is one where you are fed, you have water, you can stay warm and dry. And so just having enough food and layers to stay warm and dry, especially if something unexpected happens, like if you do twist an ankle and end up uh, sitting for a while, you know, having those extra layers can, can make a big difference. And finally, the one that has become, you know, in the last 10 years, much, much more apparent is relying on cell phones. They, you know, people think their cell phones can do everything, but I'll tell you when you are out for seven hours, they are not flashlights, they are not maps, and they will not keep you warm and dry when those batteries run, run out. So uh, definitely uh, those are the water, food, and uh, over relying on cell phones are the most common. Camping season is back and I'm ready to hit the trails in my brand new camping hammock by Hennessy Hammock. Hennessy offers a variety of camping hammock sizes and styles to fit your needs. I opted for the Ultralight Backpacker Classic with a unique and innovative bottom entry design that makes it easier for me to get in and out of the hammock and it prevents those pesky bugs from following me inside. Hennessy also offers the zippered side entry model for those who prefer the traditional style. Every Hennessy hammock features a patented structural ridgeline for easy setup, exceptionally strong suspension ropes, a matching asymmetrical waterproof rainfly, tightly woven mesh to keep even the smallest pests out, high density fabric so mosquitoes won't bite through the hammock, and it even has a gear pocket to hold your phone, light, book, and other belongings inside the hammock. I've tried a lot of camping beds and sleeping options over the years that have been uncomfortable and leave me stiff, tired, and cranky in the morning. With my new Hennessy hammock, all these problems have been solved. I got the best night's sleep outdoors that I've ever had. The light pack weight and easy setup makes this hammock the perfect option for all my camping and backpacking needs. It's no wonder Hennessy hammocks are called the coolest tent in the world. Ready for your best night under the stars? Click on Hennessy Hammock in the show notes of your listening app to visit HennessyHammock.com. What other advice can you offer inexperienced hikers? I know many of our listeners are experienced hikers and everybody could always go through a refresher. But for somebody who's thinking about hiking old rag for the first time, what do they need to know? Know your own limit. I wouldn't recommend old rag as a first hike for most people. It is, like I said, more than nine miles, more than 2,000 foot in elevation. So if you are not going to walk nine miles on a flat surface, you probably don't want to make old rag your first hike. And again, water. Water is so important. Uh, again, two quarts per person at least, uh, bringing a, a headlamp or a flashlight, especially now as we get into the fall season and as the daylight savings is coming to an end, um, you know, it's the sun sets a lot earlier than people think and getting down from the summit along the fire road, you know, that's about, that's still about two hours of hiking. So it's really important that people plan ahead and bring a, a source of lights. Um, also good is to have a map. Um, although, you know, once you're up there in the rock scramble and it's dark, it's even with a map, it's hard, hard to find navigation. So it's best not to get yourself into that situation. And I really recommend, again, people bring a light, plan ahead. You don't want to carry your whole house, but you just carry what you need. And that means something to keep you fed, dry, 
hydrated and warm and plan on being out longer than you intend. If something happens and you're out later, you, you want to have that gear on you. You're not going to be able to go back to the car and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that people really need to be aware of is that Old Rag is a wilderness area. It has the designation and um, there are no pets allowed, no dogs allowed or on the ridge and saddle trail into the summit. So um, definitely there are, if you, there are other hikes in the Old Rag area where dogs are allowed on leash. But I do just want to reiterate, the Rock Scramble is not a place to bring your dog. Um, people do camp at Old Rag and carry packs through the Rock Scramble. And um, that is, uh, you know, but you are, there's no camping above 2,800 feet. And I said that the summit was above 3,000. So that means that on both the Ridge and Saddle Trails, um, there are uh, signs posted above which you can't camp. And so they're, they're very limited camping. And it's really, if you are planning to camp in the area and you haven't camped there before, highly recommend you talk to a ranger or if you see one of us in an orange shirt, I forgot to mention that, old Rag Mountain Stewards, we wear orange shirts. Um, ask us and we can point you to some of the, the, where, the camping spots um, where you can find those. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I mentioned the rare plants. Really be careful of rare plants. There's uh, you know, it's tempting to, to, to go off trail. There's a lot of social trails that have developed up there. Uh, really encourage people to stay on the main trail, um, not just because of the plants and, that get trampled, but the trail was designed to keep people away from large exposures or potential falls. Because, um, um, you know, the, while the Shenandoah National Park isn't known for like giant cliffs, there are plenty of, of rock cliffs that you can fall and really hurt yourself off of. Um, and then very specific to old rag. Um, if you're hiking and you see the blue blazes, a number of them, especially in the rock scramble have numbers and just, it's good to pay attention to those. If something does happen and you need to call, uh, the park for help, um, we'll be able to find you a lot faster. If you, if you're, if you remember what number you're near. So there are two things that I always tell people when they're thinking about hiking old rag, and that's to consider the crowds and the parking situation. So can you go over those two things? Yeah. So it wasn't uncommon in previous years, that's before this year, for there to be over a thousand people who would hike old rag on a day when it was particularly um, in about during the peak season. And that because of the limited parking would mean that there'd be overflow issues. The good news is that since March of this year, the park has been uh, piloting a new day use ticket reservation system. And what this has done is um, there are a total of 800 tickets available each day for hiking old rag. And these tickets themselves are free, but there's a $1 reservation. Um, And the way that they've spaced it out is 30 days before the reservation date, they release 400 tickets. And then five five days before the reservation date, starting five days ahead, they release the other 400 tickets. And what I've noticed is that this is, A, led to a lot less crowding on the mountain. So people aren't getting backed up. There's a couple of spots on the scramble that uh, are a little bit more challenging. And we used to see lines of people backed up for 45 minutes or an hour. I haven't seen that since the ticket system has started. And the same thing, people don't feel they have to all get there first thing in the morning. They can come out more spaced out during the day. So combined with people spacing themselves out, the fact that actually the park has also opened two new parking lots, 
um, those challenges around parking um, and crowds, I think, have really abated. Yeah, I love this new ticket system personally. I you know when they first announced it, I wasn't real sure because I thought, well, now I can't just jump in my car and go if I decide I want to do this. It has to be pre-planned. But you know, the the trade-off there is you don't have the lines of people like you mentioned. I I do remember hiking old rags sometimes where I was standing in a line waiting to get down the trail and, you know, nothing kills the mood more than standing around waiting and waiting and waiting for the people in front of you to get moving. And also, there's a little bit of pressure too, or at least I thought so, to keep moving. So as you're going through the rock scramble, instead of really slowing down and taking your time to ensure that you don't get injured, I felt like I had to always keep moving because there were people behind me who were also waiting. And this has eliminated that. So I really appreciate it and enjoy that the park system has implemented this new program. So from my experience talking with visitors, y'all, I've been asking folks how they feel about it. And now, Grant, if I'm talking to a visitor, it's someone who was able to get a ticket. um, So I'm getting that selection bias. But everyone I've talked to has really, A, been in a better mood because they haven't been waiting in line and has been able to enjoy the hike a lot more. Um, So my general experience with visitors on on World Rag is that they're better prepared because they had to plan ahead to get the ticket and they're enjoying their hikes more. Old Rag Mountain Stewards is a volunteer organization. So I'm sure that there are some listeners who are thinking maybe they'd like to volunteer with Old Rag Mountain Stewards. So if somebody's thinking about it, can you talk a little bit more about what's expected of the volunteers? Like what do they have to learn and what's the time requirement? Yeah, absolutely. We are always recruiting. It's a great program. Um, I've been with Old Rock Mountain Stewards since 2010 and have learned an incredible amount um, as, in, of skills. And so uh, part of the, re- so what we ask in terms of time is that uh, of any volunteer, um, uh, volunteers to be on the mountain two days in the spring and two days in the fall, And we will provide trainings uh, on topics such as wilderness first aid, leave no trace ethics and practices, some really uh, great outdoor skills. I've become a much more confident um, backpacker through the program, as well as aviation safety for um, working around helicopters, which is something we do. And we, of course, have lead stewards um, who lead each, uh, each day on the patrol you have experience and training and all these skills. So if someone's just starting out, we're not expecting you to know wilderness first aid or how to handle a tagline for a helicopter. We, we, we are very, very clear that people, we skate our lane and stay within our training. And so that's actually something that we really work on um, in our trainings with, with volunteers is that is being very clear about what people know how to do, what they feel comfortable doing, but also building up those skills um, and so, yeah, we, we train when we're on the mountain. If there's nothing, no incidents going on, we, we do practice um, some of those um, the more technical rescue skills, but also um, some of the, the cultural and natural resources information. Um, and we also hold um, a few trainings uh, if, when we start our spring season and our fall season throughout the year. So, yeah, very much. People, if people love hiking. If people want to learn these skills, Absolutely. Please come find us. Old Rag Mountain Stores.
I recently got to join your training and it was so much fun, but I was also really impressed by all of the skills that are obtained during this training. And, you know, it's just such a chill group. You know, everybody there was just very enthusiastic about doing this and about educating people and helping to protect the resources, but just about getting to know everybody else who's there to do the same thing. A very passionate, like excited, energetic group. But I was most impressed with the scenarios that you all did on the second day of the training. I I walked up and I was like, oh my gosh, there's like fake blood everywhere. And somebody <laughs> thought to use a wine cork to, to look like a bone poking out of a leg. <laughs> it was, I, I felt like I was like backstage in a studio uh, or some sort of like movie set. It was, it was very cool, but it was also very realistic. And I think that really helps put people in the mindset of what they might find when they're volunteering, even though it, it was also made very clear that it's very rare for something that serious to happen. Usually when you're volunteering, you're helping with the more common injuries that you mentioned earlier, like, you know, scrapes and cuts and bumps and a sprained ankle. But um, definitely the training, the training was real. That, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun because I got to be one of the patients, so I didn't get to see as uh, what was going on around as much. Um, it it is, and what's what what's amazing for me is in the in the again the ten years, twelve years now that I've been with a program, um, I have gained the knowledge and confidence to help lead that kind of training through the wilderness first aid uh, training myself and 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 working with others on on these kinds of scenarios. And it's, it's just really helpful, like you say, full credit uh, to um, Michael, who's the one who really uh, put the effort into making it look real. Because it is, it, it is useful to see and imagine and how you react um, if you were to come across someone who has like a, a, an open fracture or injury. Um, and yeah, just doing the scenarios just builds confidence because it, it just allows you to go through and practice the skills that you've been trained and get more of that level of comfort so that when you're in the real situation, you can draw on that and, and have that, uh, that, that confidence that you know what to do. Yeah. And it was clear, too, that uh, all the volunteers really wanted to help each other out. I mean, everybody was talking through the scenarios, um, asking questions. There were, you know, there were no dumb questions. Like everybody jumped in to uh, ensure that everyone else understood what was going on and to make sure that everybody was comfortable with it. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I thought it was really cool to take people's pulses and I got to um, wrap someone's ankle and we were like hooking up, climbing ropes and equipment and the whole thing was just a blast i mean it was really a lot of fun to be a part of but also to know that that training could save somebody's life or help somebody in the future exactly and and i do want to emphasize that we do um the search and rescue training because it, it's it's real it is part of of what we experience out there um but that's not our primary function so uh, it, 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 there are there are other search and rescue organizations for people who really are pumped and want to do that. And one of the things I think that makes this group really special is that we have you know we're we're, we're about protecting people and the resource and have this this broader mission. And man, I've met some of, some of my best friends through this program. It, it really is a, a great group of people who want to learn these skills, want to volunteer their time. 
uh, to, to be part of this program. Yeah. And the other thing that was very clear to me too, was how well Old Rag Mountain Stewards collaborates with Shenandoah National Park staff. Um, it was very clear to me that it's been, a, you know, a long standing relationship and that the two work together really well. And as somebody who has worked with volunteers over many, many years, I know how important it is for um, organizations or agencies like a national park to have reliable volunteers to get the work done because sometimes funding is an issue. And, and really that's kind of what started this whole thing in the first place is, um, you know, funding is needed to be able to hire staff to patrol and do other things. And sometimes that funding isn't there. And so then we rely on volunteers to get that work done. So without Old Rag Mountain stewards, you know, who knows what situation the park would be in if they would have to close something or what else would have to happen if they didn't have volunteers to help. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a big park when you think about it, just to give you a sense of what it takes uh, if someone is injured and you have to do a carry out it, you know, even if it's, um, you know, a relatively uh, normal sized person, it, and we have, uh, we have equipment stashed up on the mountain to, to help us carry it out. It takes hours to get the 12 to 18 people that you need to rotate through to carry a litter off that mountain. And it does not go fast. And so just to, to get, it gives you a sense of the, the kind of personnel uh, and demands. And, and again, we're, we're there to help protect this resource, make sure that people are able to enjoy it and, and, and protect themselves at the same time, because yeah, we, we want to prevent <laughs> that part of it is also prevention, right? Um, we want people to be able to enjoy, enjoy the park and, and not end up in a litter. Um, no one wants that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, in, I think it's really great that so many people love the national parks in the last few years. I know with the pandemic, people have been getting outdoors more. I imagine you've seen that as well. And just um, really want to give a shout out to, to everyone in the park staff for, for everything they do every day. Yeah. And I got to meet some of the park staff too when I was there and they were just very excited to have everyone there and very cool people to work with. And for anybody who's wondering what a litter is, do you want to describe that real quick? <laughs> yeah. So um, it is a metal long basket that you essentially, um, someone would be lying down in, um, and that you essentially, they have a, a wheel, a big wheel that attaches on the bottom. So you're, so as if someone's carrying it, you don't have to carry the, the weight the whole time. Um, but so imagine someone reclined in, um, gosh, I don't know what they call them in, ho in hospitals, but you know, it's like, it has a backboard, but it also has, um, edges all around for people to be able to hold, uh, to, to, to carry it out. Like handles oh. almost. Yeah. There's, um, there's edging and there's straps to, cause you want to strap someone in so they don't, they don't fall out. Um, and to make sure that they're comfortable and supported because you're going over rough terrain often. So yeah, hopefully that gives someone a visual and maybe uh, I'll see if I can get a photo of, of one of those to you. You know, Gabby, it's really clear to me how dedicated a lot of our volunteers are. We were mentioning Andy Nichols earlier, and I happen to know for a fact that Andy is up on Old Rag today, and we are recording this in the middle of the hurricane. So it has been raining nonstop for like three days now, and Andy has been up there for what, uh, 10 hours today, I think was the plan. And it's just incredible to me that he would, in weather like this, be willing to give up his entire Sunday afternoon or morning and afternoon to volunteer. But since we are talking about the rain, 
would you recommend that people go up in the rain? I mean, I was thinking about him up there patrolling and I was like, why would anybody be up there in this weather right now? So I think it's worth mentioning, and especially as we are um, getting into cooler temperatures and winter's gonna be here before you know it, would you recommend hiking Old Rag in the rain or the winter months? Yeah, so definitely you need to be more prepared. And frankly, there are probably other hikes that are going to be more enjoyable in rain and slick conditions. So the old, the, the scramble at Old Rag, those rocks, there are certain spots that are even, that are slick even when dry. They've just been polished from so many years of usage that it can be extremely treacherous. So if you do want to hike old rag in the rain, just be extra careful. Make sure you have very good shoes and don't trust the rocks. And even better, maybe consider a different hike for the day. Same goes with winter when there are freezing conditions. There are a few seeps along uh, the summit and old rag that can be icy. Um, they're in like the shady parts. And so I definitely would recommend if someone's going to be hiking in cold uh, conditions where there's uh, freezing conditions to have a pair of uh, traction device if you have like yak tracks or um, similar kinds of traction devices i think micro spikes is what i usually carry with me um, so again uh, if you are going to hike in rain or snow conditions that i would just recommend that extra level of preparation for those conditions and maybe a different hike I think I would agree with that. I don't think I've ever hiked Old Rag in the winter. And usually that's just because of there not being enough daylight. I mean, it's a seven to eight hour hike. Most people spend time at the top. So if you're going to you know, plan to have lunch up there, then it could easily be eight or more hours. And that doesn't leave you a lot of time left. It's It'll be getting dark when you're coming down. That's true. And again, I think um, something that we were talking about, like the biggest risks out there, hypothermia is a thing. It's real. It's when I, when, if we have patients up there, uh, and especially if it's cold and wet, keeping someone warm and dry when they're patient waiting for hours is really challenging. So again, all these reasons to be extra prepared um, when when it's cold and wet out. Absolutely. Well, Gabby, I think we're going to close this up really soon. So before we go, can you tell the listeners how to connect with you? Yeah. So Old Rag Mountain Stores, the best way to get in touch with us is at our website, which is all one word, oldragmountainstewards.org. Otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We have um, our Twitter handle is at oldragstewards and Instagram, it's at oldragmountainstewards. So, and we also exist on Facebook at oldragmountainstewards. Um, so, any of those ways, uh, we would love to hear from you. Great. I will drop links to all of those pages in the notes section of your listening app. So anyone who's listening right now who wants to go directly to their site can just click on that in their show notes. Um, and then also I wanted to point out that there is a donation link on the website. If you're thinking you'd like to help out, but maybe volunteering is not the way to do it, you can also make a donation to Old Rag Mountain Stewards on their website. We are a 501c3 in Virginia, so uh, very much appreciate any way people want to volunteer or uh, donate to, to help us continue the program. Great. Gabby, what is one piece of gear you can't live without? I love my half an old yoga mat. I have it strapped <laughs> to my pack. It is my favorite piece of gear because if I have to sit on a rock for a long time, it keeps my bum comfortable and insulated. So 
I would definitely recommend having something to sit on when you're out in the woods. I would never thought to cut an old yoga mat in half. I'm absolutely going to do that because I have a mat right now that's starting to like crumble and fall apart and I don't want to throw it away because I can't stand the idea of it being in a landfill. So I think that's what I'm going to do with it. Do you want the other half or do you know anybody <laughs> who needs the other half? <laughs> you yeah, ask around, you know, definitely I've, I've gotten looks, envious looks at my, my half mat when I've been out on the mountain. That's so smart, though, because even if you're just stopping to have lunch and it's cold outside, you don't want to sit on the ground or a rock or something that's going to suck your body heat out. Exactly. Oh, what a great idea. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all this awesome information about old rags. So anybody who's planning a hike, hopefully will be better prepared and we can avoid any sort of catastrophe on old rag. But also, more importantly, thank you so much for volunteering. Well, thank you so much for shining a light on all the great things to do in Virginia outdoors. Awesome. Adventure on. Links and resources to everything discussed today are in the notes section of your listening app and on the website at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting me. The easiest and most impactful thing you can do is visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Jessica Bowser, where you can buy me a virtual coffee or sign up for a membership and receive a Virginia Outdoor Adventures vinyl sticker and a shout out on the show. I'm on a mission to build an outdoor community right here in Virginia. A donation or membership means you're supporting a local community of outdoor adventurers, a diverse platform that elevates everyone's voice, a resource of activities and locations close to home, local Virginia businesses, and women in podcasting and the outdoor industry. You can also support me by subscribing to the show on your listening app. Help spread the word by sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media. Last but not least, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from my listeners. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Virginia Outdoor Adventures or on the website, virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, adventure on. Adventure on.